Mary Simon, you know the name, she was recently appointed uh, Governor General, first Indigenous person appointed to the post, and it was widely celebrated, right? Um, Lots of praise, a lot of people really pleased with this selection. Um, Strong ties to the North, a lifetime of extremely notable work, both in our country and around the world, Uh, pretty spectacular resume, but not everyone is standing up and applauding. There have been hundreds, believe it or not, hundreds of official complaints have been filed to the Canadian Commissioner of Official Languages because Mary Simon doesn't speak French. She is bilingual. She speaks anuptic, but she does not speak French. So many complaints have been filed over this that an official investigation into her appointment has actually been launched. No, really. Uh, That's true. An investigation into her appointment has been launched um, because she doesn't speak French. Now... It opens up a whole area of discussion. As you know, if you want to work for the federal government, bilingualism is often a requirement. There's all kinds of jobs. And we're at a point now where is that something that is serving us, or is that actually a detriment to us as a Canadian society? Is it something we need to move away from? So let's get some insight on that. We are going to chat now with Rupa Subramania, who's a researcher and a writer and a columnist for the National Post. Um, Rupa, thanks so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your time. Oh, thanks, Shay. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and I loved your piece because I think you asked some wonderful questions here. Um, w- you know, most of Canada is not bilingual. It's a very small segment of our population that actually speaks both official languages. So, you know, it's not just her. The vast majority of Canadians are in the same boat here, as seen as not suitable options for that position, and many, many more. Right? We we exclude so many people. Right. Um, so, just to give you a snapshot of bilingualism in Canada. Um, and these numbers come from my piece, uh, roughly 18% or less than one in five people in the country are fluent in both English and French. Uh, and this number has essentially remained the same from the 2011 census. Um, and 57% of Canadians call English their mother tongue, and only 21% say it's French. That, believe it or not, is actually less than the number who say some third language is their mother tongue. Uh, which is roughly at 22%. And then if you look at the provinces, uh, Newfoundland and Labrador, only 5% of the people there are bilingual, while it's a little higher in Ontario at about 11%. Quebec is by far the most bilingual province at 44.5%. Basically, outside of Quebec, most people don't speak French. um, And so official bilingualism, I feel, adversely impacts a lot of people. Absolutely. I mean, there's no question. It's, it's you know, as you say, 22% of Canadians do speak another language other than English, but it's not French, right. and only 18% do. So when you want to talk about the official languages, it's not even providing mm-hmm. an accurate representation of the country. You know, I, I mean, th- that's not the actual reality we're living in at this point. Well, yeah. So, so another reality is that uh, Canada is, uh, you know, welcoming an increasing number of immigrants. And if you look at the immigrant population, for example, they say that uh, only 13 percent of immigrants coming to this country uh, consider, uh, uh, identify as fully bilingual. And this is coming from the 2011 census. More than 80 percent of immigrants say that their first language is neither English nor French. Um, and most immigrants speak um, other than English. Yeah. They speak other languages uh, like uh, Mandarin, Arabic, Hindi, or Spanish. Um, so this is the reality of uh, Canada today that uh, most people outside of Quebec just don't speak 
uh, are not fully bilingual, and um, and 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 that is the reality of uh, Canada today. So when we take a look at you know um, not only Governor General, but this affects so many different jobs, you know, in in both the public and the private sector in terms of that bilingualism requirement, but. Right. It gives a massive advantage to the people of Quebec if you've got roughly half of Quebecers who are uh, bilingual in both official languages and it drops to like, you know, four and five percent in other provinces. Large parts of the country are just excluded from a lot of these positions. Absolutely, uh, they are. And it also ends up creating regional disparities. So I live in the national capital region. So Ottawa, it clearly privileges Ottawa and Gatineau, uh, uh, native French speakers in in, in this area and most of whom come from Quebec. Um, and if you look at the federal government, um, uh, again, uh, a recent report by the Treasury Board shows that uh, francophones are overrepresented, uh, especially in executive ranks, like at the DM level, uh, where almost a third are francophones. Um, and so, you know, not only does this privilege uh, people from Quebec, um, it also uh, creates all of these regional disparities and so we're, we're, we're principally looking to, at least in the federal government, I feel that uh, they're looking at bilingualism imperative as a, as, a, as a precondition for hiring someone as opposed to the other things that they yeah. could be doing in their jobs, right? So it's not necessarily based on skills and, you know, you could be speaking five other languages that would be relevant to that position, but... Uh, bilingualism imperative is is the wall that most people um, end up encountering, and it's not just immigrants; it's native-born Canadians. It's it's everybody really who doesn't live, uh, who, you know, who, uh, people who don't come from Quebec. And you know what? You recount your own personal experience with this. I mean, you speak multiple multiple languages, um, but right. like you say, you're automatically it's a non-starter for a bunch of government jobs just because you don't one of those languages is in French. It is, it is a non, non-starter, and I just want to briefly tell you that, you know, when, um, you know, I've been here for more than two decades, and, um, you know, and I, I'll tell you, as, as an immigrant, uh, you're expected to speak at least one of the official languages, so either English or French. No one says that you need to be bilingual to come to Canada, but that story changes when you move to Ottawa, where you realize that uh, for most of the jobs in this area, for most jobs in this area, you need to be, uh, uh, you know, proficient in both English and French. Um, and uh, and this is a roadblock that most uh, people, most immigrants, um, you know, encounter. It's uh, not not really talked about very much, but but it is there. I personally personally experienced this. Uh, I'm fully qualified. I've studied in Canada, but you know, I encounter this all the time. I'm, uh, I, you know, it's, I'm automatically screened out for these positions. Um, do you think, with the fact that the prime minister overlooked this, you know, requirement that's typically there, and went ahead mm-hmm. and appointed somebody that doesn't speak French, maybe, maybe we're at a position where we may move past what many people see as a ridiculous requirement in so many ways? Well, you know. Shay, the world is changing. You know, we live in a globalized world. Uh, It's not the Canada of the 1960s or the Canada of Pierre Trudeau even. So whether uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau admits it or not, uh, by bypassing this bilingualism requirement in the case of Mary Simon, uh, uh, who doesn't speak French, uh, that Canada of 2021, uh, in the Canada of 2021, inclusion is more important than a rigid adherence to bilingualism. 
Um, I personally think it's ta- it's high time we have a serious national debate on bilingualism. I know the, I know the politicians are not going to touch it, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as it's a really contentious uh, issue. But I think I think the rest of us really need to ask ourselves uh, where is bilingualism, official bilingualism, actually taking us? Uh, let me just give you a brief example. Sure. Uh, this is uh, this is important context. So if you take Spain for example, um, Spain has a linguistic minority, the Catalonians, but Catalonia is not imposed on the rest of the country. All of Spain doesn't have to learn Catalonian. So that's and 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 and, and you know you have the linguistic minority uh, 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 groups in Italy, for example, uh, northern Italy, uh, German German and Italy are official languages, but German. Can you imagine imposing German on the rest of rest of Italy? I I, I don't think that the you know that I don't think that would work. Yeah, it is. It is a strange situation, and and like you say, it, it it's become almost untenable. I mean, we understand why it was done, but you you just take a look at the the impact that it has on pretty much the entire country outside of the province of Quebec, and it 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 creates an unfair playing field. So we'll have to see where this goes. These official complaints that have been filed, um, what happens with those? Do you have any idea? And I know this might be a little off off topic, but you know, official right. complaints being filed. I mean, do those go anywhere? Is there any risk to her appointment? Um, it's hard to say, uh, Shay. I mean, I, I, you know, this is this is really. Uh, I, I, I don't really know where this is going to go. Uh, the commissioner has uh, indicated that he's he's taking this seriously, but uh, to be honest with you, I, I, I don't know where this is going to go. But hopefully, you know, this this sparks. Uh, a debate, uh, you know, uh, that, you know, where is official bilingualism going? Has it outlived its sell-by date? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think it has. I would agree with you wholeheartedly. Rupa, thank you so much for your time this morning. I, I really oh. appreciate it. Thanks, Shay. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great, great conversation. You bet. That is Rupa Subramania, who is a researcher and a writer and a columnist for the National Post. Um, and yeah, came across her piece and she makes some really, really good points. And you know what? I think for all of us growing up in this country, it's just something that we've accepted, right? Uh, if you, you know, we have French language classes, we have, um, you know, French immersion classes and all those things. And learning a second language is fantastic. It really is. But a lot of people do it because they want to work for the government or an airline. I mean, it does open your employment opportunities in this country if you can speak French, which, if you take a look at it, doesn't make sense just based on the demographics of our country.